19, I was telling Brother John and Brother Zach today, there's been just such a sweet spirit in our church services today. And uh, I appreciate uh, the Lord and what He's doing in our midst. I want to encourage you this, this evening as we study the church, uh, defining the church. What is the church displaying? What does the church look like? How does the church operate and as you think about the church, one of the issues that we're finding, not only in the church in, our, uh, in 2022, but in many of our lives, we, we face a, a great struggle, a great pull each and every single day. Now that pull is a pull within, if you would. It's a, uh, an understanding that the world is ever before us, and oftentimes, if we're not careful, we, instead of going and reaching the world, many of us, if we're not careful, we become like the world. And we become entrenched in the world. We begin to operate of the world. And one of the things that we need is to find that there are Christians, that there are churches, that we're going to stay by the stuff, stick to the word of God, and say, God, I'm yours, I'm yielded to you. And there are far too many churches that are compromising these days. And I want to encourage you tonight that Gateway Baptist Church be a church that does not compromise. That there would be people in the midst of the church that would say, hey, by the grace of God, we're going to follow the Lord fully understanding that he has a perfect will for us. And so as you, you lay your heads down on your pillows each and every night, there are no doubt many things that cross your mind. And some of you have a great burden for our nation. And so as you lay your head on your pillow, you might begin to, to, uh, begin to think about the conditions of the world. And some of you have a great burden for some families, and you might begin to think about the families and the homes that are represented not only in this church, but in this surrounding area, in this nation. You begin to wonder, what is going on in our midst? Some of you have a great burden for young people, and you begin to think about the, 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 the many issues that are arising in this upcoming generation. You have a burden. You begin to think about the many differences. You begin to think about the conditions of people and the conditions of the home. And you begin to ask the question, what is it going to take? What is it going to take? And you begin to think about the church. And we addressed this a couple of weeks ago. Many times, if we're not careful, we begin to, to look at our, our nation. We begin to, the, to blame the, the politicians and we begin to blame uh, the, the politics itself. We begin to blame all of the representatives and all of the issues that we're facing. We say, hey, this is the problem. The true matter is not that the, the politicians are corrupt or that America is going a certain way. It's that Christians are no longer operating the way Christians ought to operate. You see, we begin to, to separate from certain things. We begin to, to uh, ca become callous to the Word of God and uh, uh, understand that, 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 that the Lord has something for us, but we begin to trade those things in because it's just too easy. It's just too easy. And as you begin to think about the church and the role of the church, this evening I want to preach a message that I pray will be a help to you as we start this series, The Church. The very first message is this, The Church Revived. The Church Revived. You know, as we live in 2022, it's very easy for us to criticize others and criticize other churches and criticize other uh, individuals. But the question that we must ask ourselves this evening, and I want you to get personal, is, Lord, reveal to me my condition. My condition. I've prayed that the Lord would reveal my condition to me and that He would bring to my understanding and my foreknowledge of understanding what He has for me and what He desires for me, that He would bring to the front of my mind that He has something for me to see this evening. 
The church revived, the Bible says in Psalm 85, verse 6, Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Second Chronicles 7.14, a verse that many of us know, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Habakkuk 3.2, O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years make known in wrath, remember mercy. Now the word revival is a word that is talked about often, but the truth of the matter is we can talk about revival all day, but if we're not willing to get under what the Lord has for us to do and get in the Word of God and get rid of the sin in our lives, we will never experience the revival we keep talking about. And we're finding in our nation today that there's a lot of revival meetings that are taking place. But can I share with you, we could have 15 different revival meetings at Gateway Baptist Church over the next year. But if we don't come to the house of God with serious intentions of doing business with God, we will never experience true revival. True revival is simply falling back in love with the Lord. You say, well, how am I going to fall back in love with the Lord? Well, first, start getting in the Word of God and start getting in the house of God and start getting active in the service of God and start saying, Lord, it's enough that I keep sinning. Lord, I want to get rid of the sin and get serious about you. The church revived. As you come to the Word of God in this portion of Scripture, we see three things that Paul is being used mightily of the Lord. Twelve individuals have just come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, and Satan is not happy about this. You're beginning to see what is going to be a powerful ministry in the life of Paul. At the church of Ephesus here, in verse number 8, the Bible says, Acts chapter number 19, and he went into to the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. And this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and and Greeks. Notice verse number 11, the Bible says this, dealing with Paul, and God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs and, or aprons, and the diseases departed from them, and evil spirits went out of them. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons. Notice this about these individuals here in verse number 14. Seven sons, and as you begin to see what they're about to do, you begin to see that in verse number 15, I love verse number 15 on down. Because verse number 15 on down becomes a a situation where it gets a little awkward, if you would. It becomes a a humorous thing for us to read. In verse number 15, it uh, it says, And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know... And Paul I know, but who are ye? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. I'll tell you what, that's a rough situation right there. That's a rough situation when you try to you try to impersonate something that you have no business trying to impersonate. When you try to bring the power of God when the power of God is not resting upon your life and you begin to try to manipulate certain things. And the Bible says in verse number 16 that they were leaped on and overcame and prevailed and they fled. And not only all of that took place, but they came in dressed and now they left out naked. They were wounded. 
Talk about an embarrassing moment right here in verse number 16. As you go on, verse number 17, the Bible goes on to say, And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus, and fear fell on them all. Notice this verse right here at the very end. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. Verse number 20, and we'll be done reading this evening. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. As you come to this portion of scripture here this evening, you see three things. The Lord is using Paul to um, reach a people. He's reaching uh, individuals and he's showing them forth not only what the Lord has for them, but how to live the Christian life. And as you begin to study the life of Paul, you begin to to realize uh, what a man he really was. The Lord began to work in his life and just completely flipped his life around. And he was using those things for God. And notice with me, if we're ever going to begin to see revival taking place in the church, three things must be be present in the local church. Notice when the first thing in verse number eight, the Bible says, and he went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples and disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannius. And this continued by the space of two years so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Notice with me, number one, the word of God must be preached. The word of God must be preached. You can come to the house of God and you can look for great music. You can look for great fellowship. You can look for great ministries. You can look for great uh, friends and all of those things. But if you've come to the house of God with any and every other intention but hearing the word of God preached, you're missing it. You're missing it. You see, there are a lot of churches out there that have great ministries and they have great promotions and they have all of these things, but there are also many churches that are missing this, the Word of God being preached. You know, as you go and you study, and I've said this many times, but I love in the book of Nehemiah, after the physical work has been done and the spiritual work is about to take precedence in all of what's taking place, that as Nehemiah is relaying the information to the people that they say, hey, Ezra the scribe can come, but make sure that he brings the book. That he brings the book. May it be your prayer, may it be my prayer, that every single time that we step foot into the house of God, that we say, I pray that the word of God is preached this evening. I pray the word of God is brought to us today. I pray that the word of God is something that will be preached with truth. Notice in verse number 8, he says this, And he went into the synagogue and spake boldly. He spake boldly. In this portion of Scripture, you begin to see this, this understanding that he was going to speak boldly. It shows that he was a very courageous person. We've made reference of this many times, but Paul was not one who was going to sugarcoat. Paul was not going to consider if he was going to hurt your feelings, if he was going to relay if you were living in sin. He's not going to come to you and say, hey, this might hurt your feelings. No, he's just going to tell you you're living in sin. He's not going to approach you and say, hey, uh, I really don't want, to, don't want to offend you here. But no, he's just going to say you're living in sin. You don't need to be doing this. You do need to be doing this. And the Bible tells us in verse number 8 that he spake boldly. We're living in a, in a day and age where a lot of preaching that is taking place in the pulpit is being affected because the preachers are afraid of saying things that might hurt the listener's ears. Can I share with you, that's the issue. We're not hurting the listener's ears anymore, and we're afraid of calling sin what it truly is, sin. We're finding that in America, sin is no longer something that is preached hard on, but now it is welcomed into the church. 
I was just on the phone just a, a little while ago and talking about a situation where sin had been prevalent in a church and a ministry and it overtook the church and the ministry is no longer a ministry that is effective. Why? Because it was not something that was dealt with. You see, sin is not something the Lord takes lightly. If sin is going to be prevalent in the church, then you can just rest assured it's going to get into the church and it's going to destroy the church. It's going to destroy the lives of those who are living in sin. And Paul is one here in this portion of Scripture that he spake boldly for the space of three months. Now notice with me this word disputing, it speaks to reason, to discuss, to ponder, to defend if you would. Paul was willing to make sure that it was understood that, hey, these things needed to be addressed. He goes on and the Bible says that he was persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. Now this word persuade... It means to win over a person, to bring about a change or to influence. In verse number 8, as we've mentioned this many, many times before, in verse number 8, as it says that he spake boldly, we see his courage. As you begin to continue reading and you see that it says that he was persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God, you begin to see his compassion. Can I share with you that when you get into a local church and you're listening to preaching, you're listening to Bible preaching, or maybe when you yourself are trying to influence someone, that you can speak the truth, but you can do it in love. You see, you can be bold and courageous and still have compassion all at the same time, but you have to do it in the right spirit. Paul was one who, as you begin to see his love for people, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter number 20, verse number 31, as you begin to see Paul and his burden for the lost, that the Bible says, Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one night and day with tears. Imagine that. Imagine getting a burden for someone this evening, getting a burden for a place this evening, getting a burden for a people group this evening, getting a burden for a mission field this evening, that every single day and every single night you are warning those people about a devil's hell. Imagine getting a burden so heavy on your heart that every single day and every single morning you woke up with tears in your eyes because you wanted God to do something. You see, one of the major issues we're seeing in the church and why we are no longer experiencing reviving of, of people in their personal lives and in the local church is because we've lost our tears. You see, we're living in a society where men are encouraged not to cry any longer because, hey, it's a little bit sissified. Can I share with you, may we all weep over souls. You know, when I walk into the house of God and I see a man on his knees at an altar praying over lost souls and he has tears in his eyes, it brings tears in my eyes because I can see that God is doing a work. And Paul in Acts chapter number 20, verse number 31, at the very end says, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Romans chapter number 9, verses 2 and 3, that I have great heaviness and continued sorrow in my heart, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Paul was a bold individual. He was unwilling that, that, that the gospel would not reach people. He wanted to reach people. He was willing to speak, but he was also prepared to speak. In verse number 8 here, the Bible says, and went into the synagogue and spake boldly for the space of three months, disputing. You see, the, the, the speaking of boldly speaks of how willing he was. But can I share with you, any time that you begin to speak truth or preach truth or teach truth, there's always going to be opposition. And all of a sudden, you have to really decide, am I still willing to or not? Am I still willing to, to share the truth? Am I still willing to preach the truth? Am I still willing to abide by the truth? Or am I a little bit hesitant in this regard? Paul was not only willing because of his boldness, but he was also prepared to do such. 
The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 3.15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Now I want you to notice, understand that the situation that Paul is enduring here, in verse number 9, this is the, the, the situation that he's enduring. The people that he is trying to reach. But when divers were hardened, believed not. Now listen, everyone's not always going to believe. That's just the truth of it. And there are going to be those where you knock on their doors or you sit down and have a conversation with them and you see them come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And then there are going to be those who are going to sit there and they're not going to, to listen to everything or they may even listen to things, but they're still not going to get saved. Just yesterday, as we were out on soul winning and visitation for just a little while, and it was a wonderful thing to see some visitors here this morning, wasn't it? My brother Zach afterwards said that he came across an, uh, a gentleman who had mentioned that he was planning on getting saved in the next two to three years. And the truth of the matter is this. There are far too many people who are planning on getting saved. But can I share with you, you're not promised tomorrow. And you see, many of us this evening, if not all of us here, are representing a people that are saved. Can I share with you that though we're not promised, we need to keep in mind they're not promised either. You say, ah, I'm not promised tomorrow, so I want to serve the Lord. I want to do something great for God. What about those souls that aren't promised tomorrow either? They need to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, we've lost our tears for souls. And Paul understood this. And this word hardened here begins to speak of one who is rough, one who is harsh, one who is stern, violent, or even offensive, if you would. Paul understood this is what he was dealing with. And so in verse number 9, the Bible tells us that he began to do this disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannius. And this continued by the space of two years so that all, notice that word, I have that word highlighted and marked in my Bible, all right there. It'd be very easy for us to miss that. So that all that which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Tonight we sit in the house of God and we begin to think about what could God do at Gateway Baptist Church? Or what could God do in this community? And what could God do in this nation? And we begin to have maybe aspirations and goals. Could you imagine when we for just a moment in verse number 10 as it says, so that all they which dwell in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Could you imagine for just a few moments as People begin to move in and move out of Clarksville, Tennessee as they move into Clarksville, Tennessee. And maybe there's word as they move into Clarksville, Tennessee and people move into maybe some housing neighborhoods or maybe even to some apartment complexes as they're being handed the keys. If one of the testimonies of our church would be this, that as they're being handed the keys, they're warned, hey, just so you know, you're going to have a church knocking on your door here soon. You will be presented the gospel here soon. That as the people move into Clarksville, Tennessee, that there would be a testimony of Gateway Baptist Church that, hey, that church wants to see people saved. So that all the people right here is what it says, which dwell in Asia, heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. And this understanding that they refused because they believed not, they spoke evil, they began to become abusive with their words. And this is all that Paul is encountering right this very moment. But can I share with you, as the, the Word of God is being preached, and though there may be some who are abusive with their words, there may be some who don't like what we have to say, may we still continue to preach the truth of God's Word. Just a couple of months ago, as we were headed to Knoxville, me and Braxton on the road, and that gentleman called me and began to, to say that he wanted to file a complaint. 
And I said, well, you've reached the right person. I'm the pastor of the church. So what's the complaint? Well, you, you left a, 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 a track on my door, and I don't like it. I said, oh, well, I do apologize. But um, if you give me your, your door and your information, we will try to mark that in our system. Oh, I'm not going to give that to you. So, well, it's going to be a little hard for us not to. And I said, we will be back in that area. Did I not? I said, we will be back in that area and we will probably knock on your door because I don't have your information. His exact words were this. Well, I'm a Christian and we don't need you in our area right here. What a sad representation of a Christian. What a sad reality, though, that far too often we might not even say it like that, but we're displaying displaying it. Paul is understanding that the truth of God's word must be tr- preached. The church revived. What's it going to take? I believe, number one, it's going to take the word of God being preached. Could I encourage you that when you step through the doors of the church, yes, there's a lot going on at Gateway Baptist Church, but this must have priority. Amen. It has to have preeminence in our lives. Number two, we notice this, the power of God must be present. The power of God must be present. There is no such thing as God working out miracles and coincidence taking place at the same time. You know, there, there are many times when people will say, oh, well, what a coincidence that took place. No, 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 no. There's no such thing as coincidence in God working in lives. You sit in the, the, the church service and somebody comes to the house of God and they might get saved and someone says, oh, well, what a coincidence they got saved. No, no, no. That is the power of the gospel taking effect in someone's life. You begin to understand that there are homes that are being put to back together all across this nation because there are people who are sitting under the preaching of the word of God and homes are being revived and there are people who are starting businesses that that are for the gospel's sake and there are people that are shutting down bars because they say, hey, I accepted Christ as my Savior and no more can I be given to this. And there are people that are getting sold out to Jesus. There are churches that are getting revived and making a difference. There are cities being flipped upside down. There are lives being stirred and moved to action. Why? Because the power of the Word of God. It's the power of the Word of God. You see, one of the things that we oftentimes neglect is we begin to get so caught up in the busyness of ministry that we forget who we're actually ministering for. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. See, Hebrews 4.12 says this concerning the Word of God. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You see... If we're not careful, we begin to neglect this because we think we've got a brand new idea that's going to work better. Can I share with you that there's nothing greater than the power of the Word of God? You know, as I remember sitting in church services and, and thinking about the Lord, I be, would begin to maybe pray, Lord, do a work in my life, and it was through the preaching of God's Word. I'd sit there and my soul would get stirred. I remember sitting in Bible college and there was a time when we were going through certain books of the Bible and as I'd be sitting there, my heart would get stirred and it would just be a lecture maybe or it would just be a class discussion or maybe it would be a church service and it was nothing fancy about it. It was nothing special about it. It was just very simply the preacher getting up or the teacher getting up and delivering, thus saith the Word of God. Why? Because the Word of God is still powerful today. In Hebrews 4.12, it begins to deal with that and helps us understand that it was quick and powerful and it's still quick and powerful today. It's still sharp today. It's still piercing today. It's still dividing today. It's still something that is a discerner today. The church revived. Can I ask you this question? You desire to be revived. Have you given yourself to this right here? 
You see, we give our time to so many different things. We give our time to all of the hobbies and all of the, the, the other books and all of the other things that we enjoy to do. And then we say, oh, I just don't have enough time to read the Word of God. No, you do. You just don't prioritize it right. We don't prioritize our time the right way. And we give our time to all of these other things, all the while saying, Lord, why aren't you using me? You know, it's been said, what you do with this is what God will do with you. And I believe oftentimes we see that very evident. You see, Paul preached the Word of God and the power of God began to work. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verses 5-7, through 7, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus for We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Notice with me, if you would, you say, how do you know that God was using Paul as he preached the word of God and the power of God to begin to do a work? Notice what the Bible says in verse number 20. So mightily grew the word of God. Notice that last word, prevailed. Can I share with you, the word of God will always prevail. Through time, you'll find through the church history that there have been many, many people who have tried to stop the Word of God. It can't be stopped. God cannot be stopped. The Word of God cannot be stopped. The power of the Word of God cannot be stopped. But notice with me in verses 12 on down, there are those who begin to plagiarize and try to do something that they were not able to do. And in verse number 15, the Bible tells us, and the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know, but who are ye? You ever been an individual who, who might have walked up to someone and, and uh, you're, you're trying to, to introduce yourself? And this is an awkward moment that takes place. You begin to describe someone and you're describing someone and the person's looking at you like, who is this guy? You're trying to, hey, do you know so-and-so? I know I'm, I'm so-and-so's friend. And, I, and you just keep going on and the person's looking at you like, What's wrong with you? Who are you? Almost like, go on about your day. Get away from me. I don't have time for you. In verse number 15, this is the picture that I'm getting here. I'm reading this, and the Bible says, and the evil spirit answers, said, Jesus, I know. Hey, I know Jesus, and Paul, I know. Paul was being used, and the demons and the devils were not pleased with this, and Satan was not pleased with this, but he says this, but who are ye? Who were ye? There were those who were trying to plagiarize. And it goes on in verse number 16. And it says, And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Can I share with you that you cannot muster up a fake power in presence of the word of God. When you walk into the house of God and you can sense the Holy Spirit's working, you know it is the power of God. But you cannot muster up enough talent. You cannot muster up enough ability. You cannot muster up the power of the Word of God. It is plagiarized and you see it. The Bible tells us in Zechariah 4.6, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Matthew 23, verse 25 on down says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For ye may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are all full of extortion 
and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Can I share with you, there are many people that are walking into the churches these days. Oh, they look clean. They look like they've got it all together. They know what to say and how to say it and when to say it. But underneath all of the prettiness is just a bunch of hypocrisy. We walk into the house of God and we sit in our seats and there are churches filled today across this nation and across this world where there are people that might even be sitting there saying amen to the preaching of the word of God. But in the midst of the amen is also hypocrisy because they have no true intention of doing business with God. And we say the church... Revived. I wonder tonight, in your own personal life, if you find yourself saying, Lord, I truly do want revival finally. You know, there's, there's something to understand about revival taking place. Many times we associate with, with revival in the church setting. But do you know that revival takes place personally before it ever takes place corporately? You see, it's all of the private revivals that take place in the midst of us that all of a sudden starts taking place in the church. I've been in churches. I remember being in the youth group and our youth group coming back from Camp Chautauqua year after year. And I remember an entire youth group hitting the altar. And as the altar was full of young people, all of a sudden it spread out into the church. I remember sitting in a church service and one of the very first services that we preached at a a church picnic. I was just talking about this the other day with someone. Was I preached the message after our church, after I had just taken the church and there was a humbled people and a hurting people at Gateway Baptist Church. But there was a hungry people. And all of a sudden, one night as a little boy jumped on the piano and began to play, he knows my name. Every single seat was at this altar right now and there was not a soul in the seats. Why? Because there were people that understood, hey, we need to do business with God. Can I encourage you this evening? It's time for Christians, as we say, the church revived, for the church to get serious about the Lord himself. We don't have time to sit in our seats and and twiddle our thumbs. We don't have time to, to wonder what could God do. It's about time we say no longer do we wonder what could God do. Lord, we're going to action and we're going to see what you can do. The church revived. We need the power of God to be present Number three, we see this. In this portion of Scripture, the Lord is using Paul in a mighty way. And we see in verse number 17 on down that we need the presence of God to be prayed for. The Bible says in verse number 18, And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God. And prevailed. The end of verse number 17, the Bible says, In the name of the Lord, Jesus was magnified. We see a couple of things standing out here. The first thing is this, that ultimately, yes, the name of Jesus was magnified. Many of you know every single service is our fellowship song. We sing to God be the glory because that truly ought to be our desire that he would receive all the glory. And not only in this church, but in our personal lives as well. That God would receive all the glory. The word of God and the Lord was magnified. The Bible tells us in Philippians 1.20, again, Paul speaking to the church of Philippi, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, 
So now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. The church revived. It's time that we start magnifying Jesus. It's time that we start exalting the Lord. Verse number 18, we see not only was Jesus magnified, but lives were changed. Lives were changed. The Bible says that many believed and came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also which used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. This evening you come to the house of God and as we begin to describe the church and display the church, we start... With this true understanding, we ask ourselves, what's it going to take for God to get a hold of Gateway Baptist Church or any other church and for us to be sent out and truly make a difference? Revival. Until we fall back in love with the Lord and understand what He did for us on that cross. Brother Zach was leading the music and he made mention of that, that grace that we do not deserve. As you sang the songs this evening, the hymns this morning, and we began to talk about that wonderful grace, that grace of Jesus. A grace that we didn't deserve, but July of 2009 at an old-fashioned altar at a church camp when I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, I experienced that grace. And if we go back to the time in our lives where we accepted Jesus and we understood that, hey, if it was not for Him, where would I be today? Can I share with you, there are souls out there today that are wondering, what's tomorrow look like? They're hopeless. They're hurting. They don't know if there's any hope in this world. They don't know how to get past their issues. They don't know how to get past their addictions. They don't know how to get a hold of their life and get back on track. And can I share with you, it's only one to one. Jesus. Jesus. And I wonder tonight, if the church would fall back on our knees and say, Lord, give me tears for souls. and Lord, give me a burden to get right with you and stay right with you and live for you all the days of my life. The church revived or are we going to walk out the doors of the church unchanged once again oh stirred yeah we might walk out of the church and and i would encourage you don't come up to me and say oh that was a great message but leave the church unchanged i would rather souls come to an old-fashioned altar with tears in their eyes and walk out with at no point saying a word to me but me be able to see man god's word taking effect doing the work you see, Paul faced some opposition. But Paul, as you know, didn't rest in his own abilities. Paul understood this. It's the power of the Word of God. There must be the preaching of the Word of God. There must be the power of the Word of God. There must be the presence of the Word of God. What are we going to do, church? The church revived. Lord, we do thank you. Lord, we thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives. And Lord, we come to you this evening. Lord, we need you. Lord, Gateway Baptist Church needs you. The families represented need you. Lord, we need you to revive us. Lord, it's so easy far too often to go through the motions and just make ourselves do things just out of habit. But Lord, may we fall back in love with you and may we get serious about serving you and loving you and telling people about you once again. Lord, yes, the church is represented here tonight. But wait, may we not be just a church that is going through the motions, callous, no care in the world. Lord, may we be a church that is yielded to you, surrendered to you, 
seeking your face and falling back in love with you. Lord, revive us tonight. Send revival to Gateway Baptist Church in a way that only you can do. Bring us to an old-fashioned altar. Lord, many of us, if we're not careful, we haven't been to an old-fashioned altar for a long time. We think we're too good for it. We don't think we need it. But Lord, draw us back to the altar. Bring tears back to our eyes and bring a burden back to our souls. Help us, Lord, to fall back in love with you and yield our lives to you. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.